It is with great pleasure I welcome back to Wellbeing Dr. Pauline Shirelli. Dr. Shirelli is Senior Lecturer in Physiotherapy at the Faculty of Health at the University of Newcastle and an expert in women's waterworks. Pauline, welcome back to the program. It's oh, lovely to have you back. Thank you, Iris. It's, uh, it's lovely to be here. I've missed our little chat. Recently, we've been hearing about how important it is for us to get involved in some sort of exercise, but some women are giving up exercise because of incontinence. Before we go into that statement, can we first talk about incontinence in women and women's waterworks in general? What is actually meant by incontinence? Well, it's when women, uh, or men for that um, fact, but mostly women, when women wet themselves, when they leak urine. That's what we, that's what we call urinary incontinence. And what causes it? Well, there are a number of things that cause it. Uh, generally, in women, it's associated with having had babies with childbirth. When when we're pregnant, we know that well over fifty percent of women um, have a problem with their uh, waterworks. Um, and then afterwards, after they've had their babies, they often tend to put on a bit of weight, which is a you know a national problem, a, an international problem. Um, and all of these things compound the fact that when they push the baby out, they probably damage the muscles and the nerves and some of the ligaments that support all of the pelvic organs down there. So what's the difference between incontinence and an overactive bladder? Well... You can have an overactive bladder and not be incontinent. What you have is the frequent knee-crossing, eye-watering desire to pee, um, and you actually go to the toilet and make it, right? So that's overactive bladder. If you don't make it to the toilet, then you've got overactive bladder and incontinence. Now, stress incontinence is when you lose um, urine, when you cough or sneeze, um, when you lift things up, when you heel strike. Um, and it is very common in, uh, in people who are active, in women who are active, um, women who've got a chronic cough. Anything that increases the, the pressure inside your abdomen is likely to um, increase your likelihood of leaking. Mm. And... Is it stress of the body movement? It's the pressure. It? It's just mm. pressures. The pelvic floor muscles have to hold on underneath. They have to hold all your pelvic organs up. They have to squeeze the tube from the bladder to the outside. That's called the urethra. And the pelvic floor muscles have to squeeze them shut. At the same time, they have to be able to cope with all the pressure pushing down from your tummy, you know, when you're doing sit-ups or um, when you're lifting weights mm. or when you're running and your heels banging on the road. So all of these things increase the abdominal pressure pushing down on the pelvic floor. And if the pelvic floor is already a little bit weak, there's no way it can hold on. That's when they're in strife. Mm, absolutely. Mm. If a woman has, for instance, a bladder infection, which is usually short-term, when this happens, can that also add to um, incontinence? Absolutely. Um, we've got two points there. First of all, while you're suffering the urinary tract infection, you've got a lot of inflammation in your urethra. Now, there's a little spot right up the top of your urethra that tells the bladder, um, we're emptying now, keep on squeezing. Okay, so mm. when you do a wee, the urine's passing past it, the bladder keeps squeezing it out because when you do a wee, it doesn't run out, it's actually pushed. Then when the urine stops going past this little spot, the message says to the bladder, be quiet, stop pushing. Now, if you've got an inflammation 
an infection around that spot. The message goes to the bladder all the time, keep pushing, keep pushing. And so you get a lot of pain and discomfort because your bladder's not only swollen and infected, but it's, mm. it's working over time. Um, and you get the feeling that you haven't finished because this little spot um, is, is being affected all the time. So that's um, urinary tract infection. Now, let me tell you, after an upper respiratory tract infection, a, a cough or bronchitis or something like that, urinary tract infections are the most common infections in women. And some women have repeated urinary tract infections. Um, and we know when we, when we study large numbers of women that if they have repeated urinary tract infections, they are much more likely to have problems with overactive bladder. Mm. And as a result, incontinence. Yes, but worse than incontinence, Iris, it's one thing to have a little leak and most girls know about the really great products that are available nowadays to help little leaks. But when you've got overactive bladder, you want to wee all the time. You've got to know where every toilet in town is. Um, you know, you have half a glass of water and you feel you want to, uh, you know, go again. Um, and it's just this constant feeling of the need to go. And it really impacts um, on life terribly, uh, even worse than, than the leakage itself. Is there anything that can be done medically for this problem? Overactive, um, overactive bladder. There are a number of things we can do. There are some drugs on the market. Um, and while they're very effective, they do have some side effects. So often what we will do is we will start a bladder training program. Now, sometimes the bladder training program will work itself, and that's fine, and they're very simple to do. But sometimes you'll need the help of um, one of these um, drugs to quieten the bladder down. So we start both together. We start the drugs and the bladder training program, and when things are really going well, we gradually wean off the drugs, and you should be able to have control then. Now, if the, the lady has a problem like cancer or multiple sclerosis mm -hmm. where the nerve endings are damaged, mm -hmm. What sort of help is available for these people? Okay. When we're talking about multiple sclerosis and cancer and even diabetes, for example, you're talking about different sorts of problems, much more serious problems, um, where women can go into what we call retention, where the bladder won't let go and, and it fills up and fills up and they have to be catheterised. Um, or you're talking in the case of um, cancer where women have radiation therapy and they have, you know, a lot of mm. damage done to the urethra. Um, you know, you need to be under the care of a well-advised uh, nurse continence advisor in these situations. We, uh, we're very well served here in Newcastle. Uh, the Western Newcastle Community Health Centre at the back of Walls End Hospital have wonderful nurse continence advisors who can help you with that. When we get to multiple sclerosis, my mind goes back to the fact that these girls have some, some can have, not always, mm. but can have some rather drastic problems. Um, and they can have things call, things like, uh, we call a suprapubic catheter, um, or they can be taught to catheterize themselves, um, every four hours so that they don't have to have a catheter. There are mm. management strategies now, modern mad management strategies that have made a world of difference compared to when I was a young physiotherapist. Therapist. So, um, and they seem really simple now, but they have revolutionised how women can manage things like MS and, uh, you know, serious, uh, mm. other serious bladder conditions. But I'd like you to take, I'd like the listeners to take the message away that there's almost always something that can be done as long as you know where to seek help. And I think, um, you know, your GP, we've got some really good, uh, a urogynecologist here in Newcastle, um, your local nurse continence advisor in your community health 
Cattle Centre. Um, all of these people can help. Now, you said that Newcastle is particularly well blessed with these people. They're available all over the country? They are. You just ring the... Um, Continents Helpline, the National Continents Helpline, um, 1-800-33-0066. Now, what the Continents Helpline will do is you say, look, I live in, um, you know, Manjimup, um, and uh, where is the nearest nurse continents advisor? And they'll say, tell me your postcode, and they will give you the address and maybe the phone number of your of the nearest help, or if you want a physiotherapist, the same sort of thing. So help is at hand, and it's easy to get. That's wonderful. Now, let's talk about the women who are about to undergo surgery for perhaps a hysterectomy or prolapse surgery. Is there anything that they can do prior to surgery Mm -hmm. that will help them through the time, probably immediately after and a little while after? Okay, so let's differentiate here a little bit. There are two reasons you have a hysterectomy. You have a hysterectomy for a problem with your uterus, heavy bleeding, polyps, you know, whatever, cancer. Um, Or you have a hysterectomy because it has prolapsed. Okay. Oh, okay. So in the main, um, they do a now vaginal hysterectomy, so you Mm. don't have to have the cut in your tummy. But I think we need to be very, very aware that whatever sort of hysterectomy you have, that there is an increased likelihood of um, bladder problems afterwards. Now, not immediately afterwards, and that's been the problem because they've often gone and done these re- re- these reviews 12 months down the track. When we look 10 years down the track, women who've had these sorts of surgeries are much more likely to have incontinence. So I think that's a great question you've asked because what I'd like the listeners out there to, to be aware of is that The pelvic organs, your uterus, your bladder, your bowel, um, are all supported by the pelvic floor. The pelvic floor is a bit like a trampoline. It has the rubber in the bottom, which is the pelvic floor muscles, and then the little springs at the side are where the pelvic floor is attached to the side of the pelvis. Now, when the little springs get broken or torn, generally during childbirth, then the trampoline can't carry fat kids or too many kids or you've got to be careful on the trampoline. And, of course, most of us aren't. So over the years with coughing, lifting, carrying, whatever, constipation, um, the, all the rest of the springs start stretching and then the, the rubber mat is absolutely useless Which and then you've got pelvic organ prolapse. So you've got a bladder that's prolapsed or a uterus that's prolapsed or a bowel that's prolapsed or all three. And so... Getting back to your question, (laughs) my advice is try and get your pelvic floor muscles working before the surgery. Um, We're actually doing research at the moment looking at whether um, pelvic floor uh, exercises can make a difference to prolapse in the early stages, and there's early evidence to suggest that it can actually stop things from getting worse. So if you're going to go and have surgery, the doctor's going to go and he's going to stitch everything back up in place. He's going to put all the springs back up. But if you don't keep the mat on the trampoline nice and healthy, they're just going to stretch again. So we know prolapse surgery has a very high um, recurrence rate. They've got to go and have it done again. And what we as physiotherapists are trying to do is to say, look, let's help the surgeons work, work really well and work long term. So get your pelvic floor working beforehand. Talk to the surgeon about when he wants you to start working afterwards and get stuck into it again to support the work that he's done. Or she, sorry. Dr. Pauline Shirelli is talking with me about incontinence. Pauline, you mentioned just now about girls going to have prolapse surgery. This seems to me to be a problem that can happen to girls who who don't necessarily have had children. 
prolapse. Mm. Does it happen to, to girls? Prolapse um, is not very common in people who haven't had babies. It does mm. happen, mm. but it's not common. But incontinence can happen in women who haven't had babies. We clearly see from the um, Women's Health Australia data that I examined some years ago that women um, in three age groups, so young, middle and older, if we take all the women in each of those groups who haven't had babies, then the um, prevalence increases. So that's, that gives us a clear indication that age itself um, contributes to continence and bladder control problems. Um, and, of course, we know that prolapse gets worse as you get older. You, just in case mm. you don't know, I've got wrinkles, my face, the skin on my face sags just a little. Um, and that's to do with the collagen tissues and all the collagen tissues in your body just sag a little. So all of the collagen tissues that are holding up your bladder and your bowel, they get a little bit weak as well. And if they've already torn well, bingo. Mm. Mm. What percentage of the community has this problem? You mean prolapse or bladder control? Um, both. Okay. Yeah. One in three women who've ever had a, had a baby wet themselves. Mm. It's far fewer men um, and uh, it's probably one in ten men and that's generally associated with having prolapse surgery mm. and that's increasing now because of the, the easy way we've got of detecting prostate cancer. Prolapse is very, very common um, from studies that are done in Sweden just of getting women to come in off the street and have a pelvic exam by a gynecologist. Yes, uh, of women over 60, almost 30%. And that's that's in Australia as well? Yes, yes, it is. I mean, we know that, mm. yes. And what percentage of those people seek help? I know uh, from a couple of studies that I've done that very few, less than a third of the women seek help and far fewer of the men seek help. Generally because, uh, and I've asked them this, they think that nothing can be done. Um, they don't want an operation. And things like uh, embarrassment wasn't the top of the list, Iris. It was well and truly down the list. One of the ones that was top of the list was I don't want to bor- bother the doctor with something that's not really, uh, you know, urgent. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this attitude is uh, is really quite amazing. So the Continence Foundation of Australia, um, you need to know that the, the government, the federal government, have been very wise over the last eight or nine years and they have put a lot of money into continence promotion. Now, Australia leads the world because the government realised that if we can keep our elderly people healthy and active and in their own homes, then they are going, we're all going to be better off. And to this end, they're really pushing continence because they know that if you're uh, an elderly lady who's got a wetting problem, you're three times more likely to be put to need um, nursing home care than, than if you don't have a wetting problem. And so they're very keen on us getting in early with younger women, um, teaching them good bladder habits and seeing if we can't, um, you know, improve the situation. Mm. If someone who is incontinent, should they cut down on the amount of fluids they drink every day? <laughs> oh, I'm glad you asked that, Iris. I mean, it's the first thing that people do. I don't want a wee, I don't want a leak, so let's not drink any water. Well, let me tell you, your body is the most amazing computer, and it's computed so that its blood needs to have X amount of water to make everything work properly. So if you stop drinking enough water, um, all sorts of things happen to your blood. Not only that, you urine gets very very strong because there's not enough water there to um, you know to wash out all the solutes in the body so you get strong dark urine that irritates the bladder and of course if you've got overactive bladder it makes things even worse we know this even with children who have mm. bladder problems that the mums cut the, the water down and major problems mm. just briefly talking about children who who don't drink or 
do drink and hang on all day mm. because they don't like going to the toilets at school or, or it's mm. not convenient for them. How much damage are they doing at, at an early age? Hanging on's not a real problem, Iris. The bladder will always win. Okay, so if they can hang on, they can hang on. What's not good is not drinking and hanging on. And the thing about it is God designed us, well, whoever designed us, to work on water. It's like you wouldn't put um, water in a petrol tank to make the car go. Mm. You shouldn't put orange juice into us to make us go. We really need water. Water is the best thing to drink. Very few children drink straight water, and when they do, they don't like the warm water out of the bubblers at school and all sorts of other things. And so we also know that problems with incontinence and overactive bladder are strongly associated with fizzy drinks. Now, we thought the continence world thought that it was going to be cola beverages that did it, not mentioning any by name, of course. But it turned out that any fizzy drinks are likely to um, cause problems uh, with overactive bladder if you've got a leaning that way. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know. You know, I've got grandchildren and they're forever sucking orange drink, but I do know that there are lots of kids out there who drink lots of fizzy drink. Even carbonated water is fizzy drink, and we need to be careful with that. Going back to the older generation, mm. obviously if somebody does have a problem with incontinence, then wearing a pad is not the answer to the problem, is it? It helps, but it's not yeah, the answer. It's, it's not the answer to the problem, Iris, but when when we talk about exercise, um, you know, I've got this great adage, pad up and play on. Um, I mean, I will say to women, look, do your pelvic floor exercises and while you're waiting to, for the success, because this can take three to four months, um, you know, you've got to be able to lead an, a, a normal life. And the products that, that we've got out there nowadays are just, they're just wonderful compared to what they used to be. Now, they're fairly expensive, so women on a fixed income, you know, would need to know that they're expensive. But, hey, if you just say to yourself, okay, I'm going to use uh, one of these pads when I go shopping because I've got to push the trolley and carry all the stuff and maybe one to church on Sunday, well, you can make do with whatever else it is, and women are very inventive, let me tell you, you know, at other times. But there, there is some wonderful product out there. And when we've got people with serious continence problems, the management is knowing which of these products will suit them best. Um, and that's what the nurse continence advisors will know. They'll have a whole range. They can try them because you really do have to tailor, you know, your, your continence problem to the product that you use. So um, lots of physiotherapists don't even like talking about pads. They are not a solution, a complete solution to mild incontinence, but um, they can certainly keep you on the netball team. Yes. Okay. We, you keep mentioning about pelvic floor exercises mm. um, on radio. Can you explain? Really got to be careful with pelvic floor exercises because we know now that many women, especially those with overactive bladder, when they actually doing pelvic floor exercises, they're pushing down, not squeezing up. And we've learned these wonderful facts because physiotherapists, some of us now actually use real-time ultrasound. So I can use an ultrasound head on the top of your tummy um, and say, Iris, squeeze up, and that you can see it. So I don't have to do what I used to have to do. Um, and so it makes it um, you know, much more uh, acceptable for the patients. And so um, you know, pelvic floor exercises, the first thing is you've got to know that you're doing them right, and you can ask your GP to check um, or a physio or whatever. Once you know you're doing it properly, you need to do what we call the knack. You need to squeeze up before you cough, squeeze up before you sneeze, and you can actually practice this by squeezing up and blowing your nose. So you can actually practice how to use your pelvic floor muscles because it's not just a strengthening exercise that's important. It's getting them to work 
in the sequence that they're meant to work because they are tied in with some of your supporting stomach muscles um, and we need to get the whole thing working in concert. So it's not as simple as we used to think it was. I guess what I'm hearing you say is that to get it right to start off with, Mm. we need to go and see a trained consultant. If you're going to have a pap smear, oh, perish the word, and you're Mm. all going to have a pap smear this year, aren't you girls? When you're having the pap smear, you might just say to the doctor, I would like you to test if my pelvic floor muscles are working properly. He, He just uses one or two fingers. You do the squeeze and he'll say, yes, I can feel them working. That's all you need. Once you know that you're squeezing up and you're not bearing down, then you can go on and do your pelvic floor exercises. What you're aiming for is to do six maximal squeezes three times a day. Now, I mean max, to the max. I don't mean fiddly little ones. They've got to be six major ones. Now, when you start, you may only be able to do one or two max contractions. So you do two max contractions three times a day. I always get my girls to do their squeezes when they're, when they're finished doing a wee because it's sort of, you know, they're mm. there and they're thinking about it. So as you're pulling your knickers up, just do a great big squeeze and hold it for as long as you can, then let it go wait a couple of seconds and then do another one and gradually build up to be able to do six max contractions held for six seconds three times a day. And then when you're there, um, really, if you just do a max contraction after every time you've done a big wee, turn your bladder off, um, that's generally enough to keep things working. You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols and I'm talking today with Dr Pauline Shirelli. Pauline, let's go back to my original statement about women giving up sports and exercise because of incontinence. What's your view on this? Well, Iris, as I've said before, pad up and play on. You've got to stay. You've got to exercise as though your life depends on it because it does. You can't let something as minimal as urinary incontinence stop you from exercising. Now, I I remember time and time again as a a clinician, I would treat a member of a netball team and uh, she would come in and she would say to me... Oh, I told all the other girls about the, about the exercises and we're all doing them now and it's wonderful. So, you know, the, the word was out there. We have a huge netballing population, but not many of them continue to play netball, you know, into the middle years. And yet they could. It's, it's a good sport except for the knee problems, mm-hmm. but it's a good sport for women to play and to be, I don't know why we don't have 60 year old netball competitions. And most of it is because women are leaking. Okay, and if all they need to do is to just wear a pad during the game. Now, there are other things you can do during the game. There are special little appliances you can get to pop into the vagina to support the bladder neck just while you play. And if you don't, um, can't have access to those, you just use the largest tampon that you can find, wet it, pop it in really, really quickly, and then sometimes that will swell and that will hold the bladder neck shut just while you play sport. So there are tricks that you can use just to be able to stay um, on the field or for your walk in the morning. But I remember a friend of mine who rang, gone to distant shores. She rang and she said, Pauline, I've been continent up until now and every, I go for a walk with Barry and every night, um, every night we have, and I'm leaking, it's terrible. And I said, well, what are you doing that's different? Where did you walk at home? Oh, she said, we used, I used to walk just around the, the oval and in the bush and all that sort of thing. And I said, where are you walking now? She said, oh, on the road. And I said, now what about your shoes? Oh, yes, I've got new leather shoes, whereas I used to wear joggers at home. So we have two things. We've got the shoes and the surface, and they can make a difference because the heel strike makes a difference. Um, And so you've got to be careful of the surface that you're walking on. And I'd also advise against walking downhill. 
walking downhill the g-force actually tends to make things really much worse and if the dog if the dog's pulling you you're in a real you're in a real pickle so there are little things you can do watch your shoes watch where you're walking use something in intravaginally um there's a thing called a conti form that you can buy there are a couple of things that you can buy or just get the largest size meds whatever you call it um wet it and put it in really quickly and sometimes that's enough to block off the bladder neck and stop leaking and in the meantime, go back to your pelvic floor. Well, yeah, absolutely. If you've got a bit, a little problem now, um, every muscle in the body gets weaker as we get older, and there's a 30% drop-off between the age of about 27 and 70. Now, that only happens because we let it. So if you want to, if you want this little problem to either stay little or go away, then you are going to have to do something about it. It's not going to go away by itself. And that was one of the other reasons that women used to, um, you know, not mm. seek help. I would say to them, is your uh, incontinence worse now than it was three years ago? And they would say yes. And then 10 questions down, they'd say that they think it's going to go away by itself. Well, let me tell you, this is wishful thinking. It cannot and it will not. So you've got to get in there and start doing your pelvic floor exercises. Once they've started and mastered the the art of doing it, mm. do they continue for life? It is. It's a lifetime commitment because, as I say, you want that muscle to stay strong um, even as you get old. Um, I might tell you, Iris, it's the only muscle in my body that I exercise. <laughs> so um, because it's easy. Um, but it's remembering that's difficult. And this is why it's easy if you just do it every time you do a wee. Most of us, um, those of us who are good, wee about five or six times a day and that's enough so when you do your wee just turn the bladder off with a great big maximum squeeze but you've got to work hard to get there in the first place and to make sure you're doing it you need medical advice well you can actually you can you can you can use your own hand you can do it yourself it just needs to be an upward inward movement if you use a mirror a hand mirror in Mm. bed in the morning just use the mirror and see that when you squeeze up things move away from the mirror not towards the mirror Um, and and you need to be able to pull the tummy exercise that you need to do with your pelvic floor is to pull your tummy in as though you're wanting to look slim but it's the lower part the bit below your belly button that you've got to pull in so you're not thinking of the bit above your belly button only the bit below the belly button so you pull your pubic line in towards your backbone and squeeze up your pelvic floor now pauline i know from talking to you before that you've actually written books about how to do it are they still available Yes, women's waterworks are still available, um, and that's um, it's available by uh, mail order. It's not available generally mm-hmm. in the books, uh, in in the in bookshops, um, and um, I can leave the address here, the mm-hmm. the email address for ordering if you if you're interested. Yes, um, uh, and the other thing is that the Continents Foundation have a whole lot of um, free brochures that are out now. I've just written one book now called Your Waterworks After Stroke, and we're doing a study in women who've just had stroke. So um, hopefully that will be available, but not for some time yet. Mm. Talking about strokes, and it wasn't something I'd thought about when I was preparing for the program, incontinence must be quite a problem for particularly for women, but also for men who've had strokes. Well, just I've just told you that one in three women wet themselves Mm. so if if one of those women or if any of those women have a stroke well they're wet women who've had a stroke and wet women women who've had a stroke often have lose the use of one arm or they can't speak properly um, and things are quite difficult in the beginning so 
on top of that, the stroke will sometimes cause urinary problems because of the brain damage. And so what we're doing at is looking very clearly at pelvic floor exercises and bladder training and proper bladder management in the very early days so that when they then go into the rehab unit, um, you know, it's easier for the physios to come in um, and take over. But neurophysios, as we call them, the neurological physios, um, are talking now to uh, women's health physios and we're sharing all the information and that's what this study is. It's a study working um, between the different special areas within physiotherapy for um, to improve the um, recovery rate for women um, who are uh, stroke survivors because it's so common. Stroke is very common in our, in our community. Mm. All the way through, as you've been talking, I keep thinking that the women really don't need to be embarrassed by all of this, that there's plenty of help available wherever mm. they go, whether they start off by going to their GP. Mm. Um, if they want to go and see a physiotherapist without going to the GP, do they need a referral? No, not at all. Physiotherapists are primary caregivers. You can walk in off the street, but there are not a, not many physiotherapists who work in this particular area. Um, in Newcastle, we're very lucky. We've got quite a few. Um, you could get onto the web and go to find a physio, um, and you can just put continence and women's health, and they will come out. But, you know, we've got a few, um, you know, very well um, capable physios here in Newcastle. It's just a matter of knowing who they are. As you said earlier, they can look them up on the on the web or go through the one eight hundred number. Yeah, the one eight hundred number is probably their best bet. That's one eight hundred double three double zero double six. And if you say, look, you'd like a physiotherapist, and you live in Maitland, they'll tell you who to go to. Or if you live in Toronto um, or Charlestown, you know, there um, Bennett Screen, there are physios all over the place. But um, you know, and they'll have their names um, on the list. Mm. Pauline, any final words of advice to us, poor girls? Well, you know, the the thing is, pad up and play on. Don't stop your exercise because you're leaking. Whatever it takes, keep on your feet, keep moving, keep your body mass down. You know, just be aware that these muscles are going to get weaker. Just as your leg muscles are going to get weaker, so are your pelvic floor muscles going to get weaker. So, um, you know, it's really, a lot of it is up to you, and a lot of it is up to we healthcare professionals making sure that you've got the information and access to the care that you need um, and, as I say, Australia's leading the world. Now, you mentioned also earlier about an email address if they want a copy of Women's your board. Works. Mm. It's um, cipp at hunterlink.net.au. Pauline, thank you for coming in. It's been great to talk to you. My pleasure. My guest on Wellbeing today has been Dr. Pauline Shirelli. She's a senior lecturer in physiotherapy at the University of Newcastle. That's it for Wellbeing for this week. Thank you for listening. And until the next time we meet, this is Iris Nichols on behalf of the team wishing you well.